everyone. Great to be with you today and what a privilege it is to be able to continue to open God's Word with you. And we are continuing our series in the book of John and today we're in the, the latter part of chapter 16 of your Bible. So if you have your Bible with you, just grab that out if you can and come down with me into chapter 16, uh, right down to verse 16. And today we're going to try and make our way from 16 right through to 33 and uh, a really beautiful piece of God's word where he shares with us his love for us. Not only does the Lord Jesus Christ share his love for us, but the Holy Spirit as well. And certainly as we move a little bit further down, we see the, the love and the affection that God the Father has for us. What a, a challenging week it has been for us. And I was coming into church this morning um, and I was able to catch up uh, with one of our church members as we came in. And uh, he wanted to speak to me because he wanted me to give thanks to God for his precious daughter, Michaela. And I'm going to ask the tech guys to throw her photo up on the screen for you right now. It really does speak to our lives. Um, David and Christine are a precious part of our community. And this beautiful little girl, Michaela, who's about to turn three in uh, June, is... Uh, a real picture of God's grace and really speaks to the passage that we're looking at today. Uh, when Michaela, uh, when Christine fell pregnant with Michaela, the news was that uh, Michaela was going to face some real difficulties in her life. And uh, of course, the, there was some advice given that perhaps they should terminate. But Christine and David, uh, having great faith in God, believed that God had given them a gift. And that was so true. And as Michaela has been growing and now is about to turn three, the advice was from the medical fraternity that she would never speak, uh, that she would certainly never walk. And uh, today, as I was coming in, uh, David pulled up and said, I just want to pray with you and ask you to pray with me because we're looking forward so much to coming back to the church because not only is Michaela talking flat out, but she's also walking and they're looking forward to bringing her to church so that she can walk into church with us as a family. This really underscores God's great love toward us. This underscores one of the great principles out of John chapter 16 is that God does not replace our sorrow with something else, but God actually transforms our lives in the midst of the sorrow that we face. Some things are far too precious for God to simply replace for something else as though we were spoiled children. When hardships come in our lives, uh, we see this with little children when their pet dies or they lose their favourite toy. We're tempted to go down to the vet or to the uh, pet shop, I beg your pardon, and buy a new goldfish the same colour. So while they're at school, we uh, make the change and they don't know, hoping that they won't suffer the reality that this broken world that we live in brings us great pain. Now that might work for a pet, that might work for a toy, but when we're talking about people and our precious loved one, what is there that could replace them? What is there that, that could heal the suffering that we feel when they go through hardships in our lives? And we pick this up in God's word as we see the disciples suffering and God teaches us a wonderful principle that he does not replace these things that we lose but rather God transforms our heart in the midst of that and brings us great joy the second thing that I want us to see today as we go through 
is that God does not replace our sorrows, but he transforms our lives. And God doesn't always change the events that cause us sorrow, but he is able to transform us in the most difficult circumstances and bring us joy. So firstly, I want you to see that God is in the business of transforming our hearts. And uh, I think this is just such beautiful news. We're in a world that's broken from the very Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve sinned against God and the penalty of sin came upon humanity and upon the world that we live in. And now we live in a world that's utterly broken and good things happen to bad people and, and bad things happen to good people. And it's very, very hard for us to maintain joy. And yet God says that despite what goes on around us, uh, despite the circumstances that we face, his power is so powerful that it's able to give us joy in the midst of the most difficult circumstances. What he's saying is that the good news, the gospel, is so powerful that it's able to transform every single situation in our lives. And I, I just think that's beautiful. God didn't lie to us. God didn't play games with us. God didn't offer us some cheap imitation for that which we have lost. But God actually comes into our very lives, enters into our very lives. And through the power of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, today on this earth, as we suffer and go through hardships, God is able to bring us comfort. God is able to bring us peace. God is able to answer our prayers and transform our very lives so that we experience joy, not frivolous, airhead, bubbly joy, but deep joy in the knowledge that God has not finished and in the end, God wins the day. And God is able to work powerfully in our lives. As we go through this beautiful passage, we won't only see that God is able to transform our hearts and help us to find real joy, but we're going to see that God is able to bring us joy through prayer, which might sound really strange, but the truth of this passage reveals to us that as we come to God in believing prayer, the gift that comes through that believing prayer is that we find joy in him. It enables us to find hope and faith, which we so desperately need. And finally, I want to share with you as we go through this passage that God the Father loves you. That's why he wants to answer your prayers, even though our precious Lord Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father as we speak together now and is our advocate. He actually takes our prayers before the Father. Our Father is not reluctant to answer our prayers. Our Father is not being forced into answering our prayers by the Lord Jesus Christ. What he will share through this passage as he speaks to the disciples is that God loves us the same way the Lord Jesus Christ does. And God wants to answer our prayers. God is willing to answer our prayers. God is, as it were, leaning forward, bidding us to come into his presence because he wants to speak to us in the midst of our lives and to answer our prayers. And finally, we are overcomers because of the reality, as we'll see as we go through this passage, that the Holy Spirit has indwelt all those who have called upon God in faith. We are now in Christ and Christ is in us and we have a new identity. And when we rest in that new identity, when we live out that new identity, we find that God enables us to be an overcomer rather than being tossed to and fro by the circumstances of the world, rather than being crushed by a world that is designed to harm us, as it were, now that it's broken. God enables us 
to be overcomers. Let's begin by reminding ourselves where we are in John chapter 16. In this beautiful passage, as we come along, the Lord Jesus Christ is, is literally hours away from going to the cross. Which when you think about it is quite amazing when you see him interacting with the disciples here in this passage. He's not panicking, he's not thinking about himself, he's thinking about the disciples, he's thinking about you and me. He's realising that in a moment's time, in a few hours' time, he will die and his disciples will be utterly heartbroken. And so he's wanting to share some words of encouragement with them to sustain them during this heartbreaking time. And similarly, these words have an eternal perspective to them because they speak to us all these thousands of years later. This is the heart of God we're seeing here. It's amazing when you think about what the disciples went through. It's, it's sometimes a little bit hard for us to comprehend it, but I believe we can. These men had spent three years with the Lord Jesus Christ. They'd in, invested everything in him. They believed and had come to believe that he was the Messiah, that he was the, the God's answer to the world. And in their thinking, they were beginning to think that somehow Jesus would uh, alleviate them from the rule of the Romans, that he would make everything right. And so they staked everything that they had upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus Christ knew that when he went to the cross and died, as he told them many times, and they didn't comprehend it, he realised that as he progressed to the cross and died on the cross, their lives would be utterly turned upside down. You remember the Apostle Peter and how bold he was in believing in the Lord Jesus Christ and how bold he'd been about leaving his fishing and coming after the Lord Jesus Christ. In, in a very few hours, he will end up denying the Lord Jesus Christ three times and every part of his life will be crushed. Everything that he thought was true will be turned upside down. And I know that many of you can understand that. Circumstances flow through our lives and what we thought was once solid all of a sudden becomes quicksand. The things that we once believed in, we begin to doubt. Our hearts are torn asunder and we begin to question the very character of God. God, what are you doing in the midst of this circumstance? How can I find my feet again? How can I find hope in the midst of these things? And it's in that context that God begins to speak to us in his word. And I'll have some passages up on the screen for you. But I want to take you first to verse 16 of God's word. Chapter 16, verse 16. And it says this, A little while and you will see me no longer. And again, a little while and you will see me. Now that sounds, uh, and it was to the disciples, rather confusing. They thought to themselves, what is the Lord Jesus Christ talking about here? A little while and you won't see me, and a little while again you will see me. And the disciples are not the only ones who have wrestled with this saying down through time. If you come with me into verse 20 of your Bibles, he says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. And we know now because of the benefit of time that the Lord Jesus Christ, when he was going to the cross, the world, the world hated him. They were glad that he was hanging on the cross. All the demons and Satan, all the wicked forces of the world were rejoicing that Jesus Christ was hanging on the cross. But then Jesus shares this wonderful truth about the fact that eventually he will return. Eventually this will turn around. Eventually their sorrow will become joy. 
And he reveals this wonderful miracle about sorrow with this wonderful illustration in God's word. He doesn't say to the disciples, I will replace your sorrow with something better. He says that I will transform your hearts so that you will have joy. And he uses the illustration in John chapter 16 of a woman giving birth. Um, that's something I, I know very little about, as you can appreciate. But my beautiful wife and I have had the privilege of having four children and I was, had the honour of being present for the birth of my four children. And to say that that was an amazing experience was a complete understatement. To say that for Carol, uh, that was a challenging experience is an understatement. And uh, she suffered like all women do during birth, the birth pangs, the, the pain of giving birth to a child. And I'm sure it raises in the, the, the mind of a mother giving birth of why have I allowed this to happen? Why? I'll never do this again. And yet when that child is finally born and is safe and the mother is able to cradle that child and as Carol and I did enjoy the growing of our children, it was not long before the memory, as it were, of the pain was dulled by the joy of that child. That child actually transformed the sorrow of birth. That child actually transformed our hearts and gave us a longing eventually to want to try for another child. And in the same way, God is saying that he wants to transform our situation, not just simply replace it. Now, this is amazing because there are some things in our lives that are far too precious to replace. And God says that I wouldn't even begin to speak to you that way. When we lose a loved one, we simply do not want a repula, somebody to, to fill in that place. There's no one who can fill in that place. But God says, no, I will transform your heart in the midst of that. So how does God transform our hearts? How does God take what is a great sorrow to us, a sorrow sometimes that can drive us almost to unbelief, a sorrow that can drive us to think that God doesn't care and, and anger begins to swell in our hearts. And he gives us a bit of a clue to that. If you'll come in your Bibles back to verse 10, chapter 16 and verse 10, and I haven't got this on the screen, so you're going to have to follow along in your own Bibles or just read with me as I read it. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. The Lord Jesus Christ gave us a wonderful clue of what he meant that I will be with you a little while and then I'll be gone and then I'll be back. He was speaking of the fact that he would go to be with the Father. I believe that's what he's speaking about in chapter 16 and verse 16. That Jesus Christ was looking at his disciples suffering and he said, I'm going to leave you for a little while. I'm going to the Father, but then I shall come back. And his coming back is not speaking about him coming back, I believe, in the second coming but he's speaking here about the the holy spirit coming and indwelling the believer's heart and this is where god transforms our sorrow because the holy spirit actually comes and dwells in us as we heard read earlier the indwelling of the holy spirit in our lives enables the lord jesus christ to actually physically dwell in us and to be able to bring us comfort to be able to minister to us to be able to help us to understand God's love for us in the midst of our sorrows. God is actually going and is able to transform our lives, our physical lives. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is now dwelling in you through the presence of the Holy Spirit. And he can enable you through the comfort that he brings you through the reading of God's word as the Holy Spirit speaks to you. He brings comfort to you 
in the midst of your greatest suffering. Rather than treating you like an object and just giving you something that will enable you to overcome that pain or distract you from the pain that you feel or communicate to you that God doesn't really understand your pain, much rather God enters into us through the Holy Spirit and he suffers as we suffer and he hurts as we hurt and he speaks words of comfort to us and he reminds us of this great truth that one day we will be with him. One day we will be transformed as the Lord Jesus Christ has been transformed. One day we will see him and we shall be like him. One day we'll be with him forevermore. And do you remember that beautiful passage read to you a bit earlier from Revelation? There'll be no more pain, there'll be no more tears, and there'll be no more suffering. This is not the end game. This wasn't the end game for the disciples. God's plan was moving forward perfectly. God's plan for your life is moving forward perfectly. And as we move through this broken world with the suffering that we feel, we've got to remember that God is with us, indwelling us, present with us, and that God's power is able to be poured out upon our lives. He's transforming every part of our lives. In the Second World War, there was a... Uh, a lot of Australians were imprisoned by the Japanese. And uh, those prison camps, as they built railways, were a terrible place to be. Oftentimes what they would do with a prisoner is they would put a prisoner in isolation. They would put him inside a cage and isolate him from all the other prisoners. And that isolation would break his spirit. That isolation would rob him of all hope. Uh, that isolation would rob him of all joy. And that prisoner would become completely compliant to those that were looking over his life at that time. The suffering was so great that they began to realise they didn't need to put men in confinement. The suffering was so great that even though men were pressed into buildings and sometimes there was 200, sometimes there was more, that their isolation, the suffering had actually isolated them, even though they had men sleeping right next to them. The pain, the hunger, the tiredness, the hopelessness had crept into their life and had caused them to be feeling utterly isolated. And we've had a, 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 just, a, just a touch of that with this virus that's come upon our community, the, the pain of being isolated from one another. But these men were utterly isolated. And then one day, this man called Mr Dunlop, Colonel Dunlop, Ernest Dunlop, or as he became to know in the Second World War and after, uh, Weary Dunlop came in. And one commentator said that when Weary walked into the prison camp, along with another colonel, walked in with him, came hope. And Weary was such a compassionate man and such a man who cared about others before he cared about himself, that that began to bring hope to all the men that he was able to minister to. The presence of Weary Dunlop in that camp meant that people felt hope again. They started to think about others and not themselves and it enabled men to be able to endure the suffering of those prison camps and many, many men owe their lives to Weary Dunlop and the mercy and the kindness that he brought as a doctor as he cared for them and loved them. Oh dear friends, God doesn't just take us out of the situation we're in. God doesn't just give us a new little puppy. God comes in his very presence through the Holy Spirit and he tenderly cares for us and he tenderly ministers to us in the midst of our suffering. And it, it does wonderful things to our heart. It gives us hope 
and it gives us peace and it, it causes us to believe upon him. And this is what he was trying to say to the disciples. In a little while I'm going to disappear, in a little while I'm going to die and you are going to be utterly broken but eventually I will come back to you. The Holy Spirit will indwell you and when the Holy Spirit indwells you in all of his fullness, with that will come comfort and strength and peace and that is ours today as well. Isn't that awesome news? Come with me a little bit further in your Bibles down to verse 23 and we read uh, these beautiful words in verse 23. In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive, and these beautiful words, that your joy may be full. Wow. And here we learn this second lesson of God's presence. As Jesus says, there was a time where you will, uh, you've asked nothing of me. The disciples uh, had been with him and they'd walked with him all those years. And then he says in verse 23, in that day you will ask nothing of me. There's going to be a change in the relationship. As we walk for 23 years, you ask me question after question after question. But when the Holy Spirit comes to indwell you, you won't ask me any questions anymore. You'll be able to ask the Father directly. And I will be your advocate. I will go on your behalf and ask the Father to meet your need. And whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give to you. And he's saying here, in short, the power of believing prayer brings joy to our lives. When we ask of the Father in Jesus' name, and what he means here is that when we ask we can't go and ask for a brand new Land Rover and expect that to happen. The clear understanding that we need to come to with this is that we need to ask in line with Jesus' character. We need to ask in line with the power of Jesus' life and with what he's communicating to us, that he was wanting to bring glory to the Father. And when our prayers are motivated by wanting to bring glory to the Father, when we love the things that the Father loves, when we desire for the things that the Father desires for, and those direct our prayers, when we come with that sort of a heart before our Heavenly Father, Jesus tells us that our prayers will be answered. And there is great joy, even in the midst of our suffering, even in the midst of losing loved ones, when we can come in believing faith before the Lord Jesus Christ and call out to the Father in heaven and know that he will answer our prayers as the Holy Spirit works powerfully in our lives. The power of prayer, the power of faith-filled prayer brings joy to our very lives. Have a look a little bit further down in your Bibles. As we come down into verse 33, and now I want to speak to you for a moment about claiming our position in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because not only has the Lord Jesus Christ indwelt us with the Holy Spirit, but it tells us he has given us a, a new nature. We have become like the Lord Jesus Christ. We are being made by the Holy Spirit's power to be like the Lord Jesus Christ. Have a look on the screens or in your Bibles at verse 33. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. One man defined peace as the ability to be able to understand that we have everything we need. It's really being completely resourced, never having, as it were, a want that we need to be filled. 
And this is so true spiritually. Jesus has said to us that through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the child of God has really everything that they need. Every single spiritual blessing that we could ever want is ours because now we belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. The old things have passed away and the new has come. The, the old man is dead and now we have this beautiful new nature, the fullness of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. And we live in a world that's utterly broken. We live in a world that's constantly grasping to sustain itself. Um, one man quoted this way, he said, As people we tend to hang very, very heavy things on very thin wires. And what he meant by that was that we put our joy and we put our sense of peace in things that are so temporal we put our sense of peace and joy in a friendship and as long as we've got that friendship we feel as though everything is okay as long as our bank account is at a certain amount or as long as we've got a hundred dollar note in our pocket we feel as though everything is going to be okay as long as that that career path before us seems clear and we continue to be promoted our lives are full of peace and we feel content these are very, very heavy things to hang on thin wires because these, all these things are temporal. All these things eventually will perish. All these things will eventually move away from us. And we'll be left, if that's all we have, we will be left with nothing. And yet we know that for the believer, when they believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us and we become a child of God. And, and now my hope does not rest on these thin wires anymore. My hope rests in the more sure word of God. My hope rests in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. My hope rests in the power of the gospel. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is mine today. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that brings me peace. It's the same power that brings me hope because I know that Jesus Christ, as it says here, has overcome the world. He is not bound by time. He is certainly not bound by death. He's raised from the dead and seated at the right hand of the Father. And the Bible tells us that nothing is too difficult for the Lord. And this Lord is not some distant person that I've heard about. This Lord is the one who has come and dwelt in my heart through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And is saying to me, no matter what tribulation, no matter what situation I go through, he will never leave me nor forsake me. The plans of our living God can never be thwarted. I am in the palm of his hand and no one can take me out of that place. Do you see how beautiful these biblical truths are in a world that is broken and does not give us a great deal of hope or peace? God says that he is our hope. Do you see now, I made a comment earlier in the message, the power of the gospel. Our lives should be built upon the foundation of the gospel that Jesus Christ died in our place and on the third day he rose again and now is seated at the right hand of the Father. But as we've seen here, he sent the Holy Spirit to dwell in us and has sealed us until that day when he will come and take us to be with him. That's what our lives should be built on. That gives us hope in the face of the most difficult circumstances. And I think of those of you right now that are watching who have lost loved ones and the situation seems to be completely lost and beyond redemption you've lost your job and the prospects of finding another one seem impossible 
And we could go on and on with the different scenarios of people who are watching this broadcast right now, watching this service right now. And your lives are full of loneliness and you're full of brokenness and you're full of fear and you're full of worry. Some of you are full of anger because of your circumstances. And you want to wrench your fists against God and say, why have you allowed this to happen? Why have you brought me to this place? I remember one story of a father a lovely minister of the gospel from the last century whose daughter contracted an illness and sadly at the age of 12 she died. His heart was utterly broken over it. Some years later he was preaching through God's word and he was preaching about Jairus and how God raised up Jairus's daughter and he reflected upon the fact that God did not choose to raise up his daughter or heal his daughter. But he went upon to say how glorious and how wonderful the good news is that his daughter awaits for him in heaven and that he over those years had not forgotten the death of his daughter and it had not diminished in his memory but the comfort that he had received from the hope to come and from the indwelling of the Holy Spirit had brought peace into his life, had brought hope into his life. God didn't replace his daughter, God transformed his heart. God didn't replace beautiful Michaela that we saw at the beginning of the service. He didn't, give them, he didn't give David and Christine another girl. He gave them beautiful Michaela with all the wonderful gifts that he's given to her. And they have loved her because they have hope in the gospel that Jesus Christ will on the last day raise us up and that we will be with him forevermore. And it transforms our very lives now. This is the wonderful truth of John chapter 16. And I want to tell you that you can have joy today. As we come to a close, I want to remind you that you can have joy in the midst of your circumstances because God is right here with us, indwelling us. We can have joy in our circumstances because through believing prayer, the Holy Spirit ministers powerfully in our hearts. And finally, we can have joy in our lives because Jesus Christ has overcome the world and that power that enabled Jesus to overcome the world is ours through the indwelling of the Spirit today. So I want you to, if you'll be so kind, just to bow together with me in prayer. And then I'm going to ask Jason to lead us in worship as we sing uh, and remind ourselves of the joy that we have because of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. Let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you for the privilege of being able to gather today. Thank you for all the beautiful people throughout uh, this land and perhaps overseas too who are joining us for worship today. Thank you that no matter the circumstances that we face, we can know you and know your presence and you bring joy and peace to our lives. You have met every need that we have. I pray for those who are suffering. I pray for those who are going through difficult times that through the reading of your word and through the power of your Holy Spirit, you would bring them comfort and you would bring them hope. And we ask this in the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.